What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and wow, we have a really special episode for y'all today. Um, so, typically, you hear uh, myself or Ade interview a guest, and we ask them a series of questions, and you know, then we do like a wrap-up thing, or it'll be like a one-on-one, and then we wrap up right after an interview. This episode's a little bit different. Um, I have a mentor, a friend, uh, and a colleague uh, named Liz Swigert. And she is a member of the LGBT community, and she's agreed to have her own guests come on and really talk about queer identity. And so it's really exciting um, that I'm able to introduce you all to her in this short series that we have in June. And I'm just excited for you all to hear. So we're going to go into break. The next thing you're going to hear is this interview with Liz Swigert, and then we're going to wrap from there. Okay. All right. See y'all next time. Hi, Brendan. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very well. Happy Pride. Yeah, same to you. Thanks so much. Well, one of the great things that we've talked about and we have the chance now to to talk about a little bit together is identity and experience and how that's translated, particularly for you, um, in your career in corporate America. Sure. Uh, and, you know, as, as you and I talked in our original conversation about um, maturity and growth and development, it was it was so wonderful for me to hear from you. And, and it resonated with me so much um, how in your experience you have you've seen yourself grow over time and seen how not only you identify, but also how you present that identity and then sure. how how you respond to the way that others view your identity. And as a as a queer woman myself who is uh, in a heterosexual marriage and yeah. has negotiated, you know, the the spectrum of of identity and how that's received, it is it's so refreshing to be able to feel at home and feel belonging with someone who also recognizes their experience as growth over time. So I I was wondering if maybe for for our listeners, you could recap a bit um, about, you know, how you've come to identify and know yourself and and express that. Sure, thank you. Um, So uh, just for the listener's sake, um, uh, I'm 40 years old. I am a bisexual uh, African-American male. Um, I am currently unmarried, um, single, and I'm not currently in a relationship. Uh, I guess, uh, definitely male. I don't, uh, my, my gender has kind of always been, been known to me, but, um, from a very young age, um, I would even say probably around the age five or six, I always knew that, um, I liked boys as well as girls. Um, but I grew up in an environment, um, come from a Jamaican family living in Houston, Texas area, um, extremely, uh, conservative Christian, um, upbringing, um, find myself in a lot of spaces where, um, they're just, you know, expressing a, um, sexual identity that was anything other than, than straight and heteronormative was, you know, just unheard of. Um, there were really no examples, um, in my, in my personal life, um, known examples of, Hey, here's someone that I personally know, someone that I can personally access who identifies as 
um, homosexual and expressing themselves in that way. Um, for me, growing up, um, anything other than that was something you saw on TV. Um, uh, being gay in particular was something largely associated with uh, white people. Um, I, I, I didn't I didn't know anybody um, um, in my personal life or even even in the media. Um, there wasn't anybody who who you could look at and say oh, this is an example of a black gay person. And outside of maybe certain entertainers um, who I won't really go into names because I don't think that's necessary. That may have expressed um, presented some uh, uh, presented themselves in a way that um, people may have you know tacitly or openly acknowledged was not the typical you know straight red blooded you know heterosexual male that just wasn't something that you know was a part of um, my everyday experience yeah it, the way you describe that it's uh, it really resonates with me looking uh, growing up and seeing so few representations of of any people of color um, in in the queer sphere uh, sure. and having grown up in New York City and being raised during the height of the AIDS crisis and right. and seeing just the depths of, of inhumanity that um, people are capable of it was it was particularly powerful for me to see how few um, females were being represented and and there were there were almost no um, femme queers and sure. so for me um, so, uh, in a way, you know, you're describing your experience as a young child. I I remember I remember similarly being young and realizing that I too liked liked boys and girls, and thinking at a certain point that I only had a choice between um, the binary. That right. it was it was a light switch. It was one or the other. It was on or off. Right. Sure. And and that and and having having that kind of awakening that I could define my identity. Um, and and that I could I could start to seek out and find role models that that was sure. something that was really powerful for me. Uh, yeah, so how yeah. how in your life did did that happen for you? Who were you know were there people who were early role models for you or um, early supporters? How how did you kind of bridge that point um, from your adolescence into into your adulthood? Um. So. You know, I I would actually say, you know, for me, um, some of those internal conversations about, you know, coming to grips with, with, with my identity probably didn't happen for me till I would say my 20s. Um, certainly um, when I was looking to go to college, um, I'd always tell myself I wanted to go somewhere where I was, you know, surrounded by people who didn't look like me, didn't think like me. You know, I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to work in a space where, or I knew that I wanted to work in a space where I was likely going to be surrounded by people who didn't think like me, didn't have the same upbringing as me. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, experience some type of culture shock when I joined the workplace. So I wanted my college experience to kind of prepare me for that. Um, but interestingly enough, at, in college, um, while I may have definitely, um, you know, internally kind of accepted kind of who I was, um, I certainly wasn't, you know, um, open and, and out 
um, as, as people would describe. So in my 20s, you know, I moved, I grew up in the Houston area. In my 20s, I moved to uh, Dallas after college. That's where I got my uh, best job offer with a company that I had uh, interned with um, before graduation. And so I moved up there. And that was kind of probably where I slowly started to accept who I was. Um, I work in the engineering construction industry um, on the infrastructure side of the business. And it's very much a, um, a conservative, um, largely conservative industry, despite, you know, some of the uh, usual, I would guess, I guess I would say um, some of the usual um, ideals or cultures or, or values, I should say. Um, that tend, tend to be associated with, you know, conservative people um, or conservative I- ideologies. Um, I worked in a, a largely conservative industry, but the guy who hired me, um, I came to discover, was actually a gay man. And um, he he was a vice president in our company, and he um, was definitely out because everybody at the company knew, and he had actually, you know, um, hosted you know events at his house where um people you know met his his partner um and despite you know he was a he was a caucasian man but despite um all that i still never necessarily felt comfortable to kind of share that with people because you know being a black man i think you you kind of learn um you know there there, there are certain sensibilities that you'll develop especially when you find yourself um, surrounded by people who don't look like you and, and think like you, and particularly navigating the corporate America space as a large, you know, black man, um, you kind of learn, you know, you kind of might err on the side of, hey, I won't reveal too much about my personal life because, you know, you never know what might be used against, used against you, especially if you work in an environment that's cutthroat or, you know, one where you've constantly got people jockeying for position, the curry favor. And that was definitely the environment that I worked in. And so I would say in Dallas, um, while I was also kind of, you know, starting off my career and kind of, you know, being an adult, if you will, um, I also wasn't going to church regularly. And so um, during that time, I really kind of wrestled with some of the things I was brought up believe as a Christian versus, you know, this, this, this identity of mine, this fact that, Hey, I, I like men and that's not going away. And, um, I even went to the trouble of just, you know, not really being unlike myself, but just really not even entertaining conversations about who I'm dating, who I'm interested in, or, you know, what the, what the dating scene was like in an effort to kind of just, you know, keep that under wraps. And despite all that, you know, a, a rumor developed in the office that 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 I was gay because I didn't openly talk about who I was dating. Um, you know, you wouldn't go to my office or my cubicle and see pictures of, you know, a family or, or anything like that. And you know, despite not really, you know, despite not really opening myself up to those conversations, people assumed that I was anyway. And so I think just um, over time, I really just kind of came to realize that hey. Regardless of what you do, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you might as well kind of just accept who you are. And so recently, you know, I just turned 40 at the top of the year. Um, I guess last year I kind of felt like, hey, you know, there are people, close friends and family who probably suspect um, just because, you know, here it is, still single, um, no children, really haven't, you know, haven't really been dating 
um, any woman, certainly ever brought any woman uh, around as a as a girlfriend or, you know, possible marriage material. And it just really didn't feel like I didn't want to go into my 40s with this being unclear, especially, you know, you have people who are who are trying to set me up with someone. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I, I think I need to let people know because I need you guys to stop setting me up with, you know, people that I'm not interested in. Um, and so um, I just said, hey, you know, I've 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 gone through this. Um, I've wrestled with this on a personal level, wrestled with this on a spiritual level, because I, I did find my, myself back to the church. But I found myself back um, in in communities where it was just kind of like, hey, your, your sexuality is it's something that you're created with and not something that needs to be um, repressed, um, hidden or kept under wraps for the sake of other people's comfort and certainly not for the sake of um, or for being accepted by um, the creator. And so I just said, you know what, I, I live, the people that know me, anyone who's friends with me know that, you know, I don't live, I, I do tend to live out loud. I'm very, you know, forthright with my opinions. I don't, I'm not a shrinking daisy when it comes to um, politics or culture or that type of thing. And I just said, hey, you know, it's out there just so you know, just so we're clear. And so that's kind of been what the past, I guess, year and a half has been for me, just kind of saying, hey, this is who I am. And most people that I talk to are kind of like, yeah, we kind of suspected, you know, stereotypes kind of being what they are. And I've always been someone who's been creative, um, someone that's been artistic, someone um, who's uh, very passionate about certain things that tend to be passionate to people of the LGBT community. Whereas I guess people thought that I was maybe... um, sympathetic or, or uh, empathetic with the community, not realizing that I'm actually a part of that community. And when I speak in defense of those people, I'm speaking in defense of myself. And thank you. You know, thank you for the way, especially that you put that, especially around how, how you talk about uh, coming to a feeling of belonging, uh, yeah. some, something that has, has always sapped so much of of my energy has been um, trying to fit in and and the sense of fitting in versus belonging and and essentially what what I heard in your description is uh, many years of of fitting in and and squeezing yourself into the um, the form and the shape uh, and the space that others wanted to give you and sure. perhaps as, uh, as your, your happy birthday, 40th present to yourself, uh, it's, it's now belonging and, and creating that space for yourself. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so when I, when I think about, um, you know, the, you, you touched on, you touched on several, you know, there's, there's first, there's, there's so much there you touched on. Um, you touched on the topic really of, of black masculinity. And sure. um, again, I clearly, as a, as a cisgender queer white woman, um, I, I do not have lived experience. Uh, right. I, I have, you know, from my, from my observation and what, I've, what has been shared with me, you know, I, I recognize that there are, there are stereotypes um, within the black community, as well as the the stereotypes and biases that are uh, forced upon black men um, from from the the from the majority from, sure. from white culture, 
Sure. And I'm curious, how, how have you, as, as you've come into this identity, in one sense, um, you, you and I have both, in, in, in a way, benefited from being able to pass in certain social situations and right. not be immediately identifiable as queer. Sure. Um, I, I am able to pass in all social situations as white uh, because yeah. I clearly, because I clearly am. Yeah. How how have you experienced that um, it, that difference between um, you know being in in all spaces clearly being identified identifying as black and mm-hmm. and then in other spaces not having your identity seen and and how how has that dichotomy how has that tension been for you uh, have you have how have you experienced that. Um, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it kind of hits me in, in, in a bunch of different ways. Um, I think, um, you know, you certainly talked about, you know, black masculinity. Um, and certainly my experience has not only been, you know, only been uh, informed by the fact that, you know, obviously anybody looking at me is not going to think that I'm anything other than black, but also there's the additional rub of being an immigrant. Um, my parents, you know, were both um, born in Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica and I came over um, as a baby. And so um, kind of getting back to what I said, you know, got a couple of things working with you, you know, as, 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 a, uh, as an immigrant, you know, there's this, there's this desire or this goal or this drive to, to make it, if you will, to be an American success story. So you come over here and you're presented with with images um, from the culture, um, white, you know, American culture. Say, hey, this is what you know successful people do. This is what immigrants should aspire to. So you've got that playing into into you know my development. Then you've also got you know the unique challenges of of being black in the United States. I mean. You know, we, we can talk all day about, you know, the, the, the lived experiences of, of African-Americans in this country. Um, you know, there's external pressure for, you know, you to not, you know, to, to live above or to prove the stereotypes that prevail and exist about black people wrong by, you know, being someone who, you know, stays in school and makes good grades and goes to a good school and gets good money and, you know, be be this citizen and, and, and prove to people that, hey, you know, the, the, the negative stereotypes of black men on TV are not real or they don't apply to everyone. And, you know, this this idea that, oh, I'm one of the good ones. You know, I'm one of the ones who did things the right way. And, you know, you can feel safe around me and you can feel comfortable around me and, and, and that's OK. Um, and then, of course, there's also the the, 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 the Christian um, the religious uh, factor. I mean, you've got, you know, pretty much American Christianity in particular is definitely um, informed by uh, whiteness and white supremacy, and 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 even in even in uh, religious communities that are that are mostly black, that that you know that such uh, white supremacy is so uh, so pervasive that even in those society, even in those spaces. Um, presenting as anything other than, you know, a straight, you know, masculine black male, you know, you've got pressure to, to, to live up to those stereotypes. And I think, you know, 
coming up, you know, people would make jokes about, oh, well, you know, you know th these things, you know, men men don't do, and you know, that's a man law violation, and um, it, it 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 could be something as as innocent as you know being the only male clarinet player and then in a 300 piece band um and 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 just kind of this idea that oh you know there's 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 a masculine way to do things that really should not necessarily be masculine or feminine they're just things that people do but um in the society you know any way that we can categorize people and put them in boxes and exclude them and feel superior to them those are the things that you know we'll you know, whether it's a small group or a large group, we just as a, you know, human being seem to just really have a gift for doing. And so I think um, one of the one of the things I kind of realized, especially as I began to find my my internal voice and my external voice is that, you know, you really have to live this life on your own terms. Um, you have to be oh, you have to be OK with yourself. You have to accept yourself and you have to be, uh, you know, you you have to be comfortable with, you know, the way that you're oriented. And um, I think, you know, as I've gotten older, it's just kind of like, you know, hey, I don't, th this is my personality. I'm not going to try to appear more butch or try to appear, you know, more or less butch or whatever it is to to fit in um, what people's expectations of me are. I mean, this is, this is the man that I was created to be. I feel like the, the, the way that I was created, there's a purpose in that. There's significance to that. And in order to, to realize whatever that significance is, I've got to be my authentic self. Um, and so, you know, whatever that looks like, um, whatever that presents like, as long as this is 100% authentic me, this is what it is. And you can, you know, you can take it or leave it. And I, I love the I love the, the authenticity focus of that and how you you also express the um, you know se sentiment I know that, that you and I have shared in prior conversation that you know we we are purposefully and intentionally made and we are we're certainly we're good enough for our creator and our mom and everybody else right. can everybody else can get in line. Sure, sure. So when, when, when you think about um, how far, you know, in a sense, how far you've come and, and listening, to, listening to your story, and, and again, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing it, well, trust, trusting me to share it with me and then trusting our, our, you know, our platform and our listeners to share it. Mm -hmm. I, I, hear, I hear this incredible growth and maturity. And in a sense, I also hear... Um, a weight being lifted. I hear, I hear a liberation coming from oh, letting go, in a sense, of the expectations that you can't control, um, right. and and letting go of the um, uh, the stereotypes and and the boxes and the labels that others are trying to force on you. Right. And so I I wonder what you know as you look to as you look to your future. As as yeah. you as you look now, you know, to, I mean, a, a strong, you know, nearly twenty year corporate career, and and you look toward your legacy and and okay. making your mark. What sure. what do you what what is your hope for the future? And and what, you know, what in terms of your own personal growth? Where where do you want where do you want to see yourself get to? And and what is the what is the, the legacy? What what is it that, that you want to create 
in the space that you're in? Well, that's a good question. Um, I just, you know, I think kind of just keeping, you know, I, this probably sounds cliche, but I, you know, corporate America has these, you know, these unwritten rules, um, these unwritten expectations of people. And I've seen so many people kind of not kind of come into this area, not realizing, you know, the inherent politics, the positioning, the jockeying for position, all those things that people do. Um, that some people, certainly people who are privileged to kind of grow, um, I guess, grow up with, grow up under people who are familiar with the corporate America space. You know, I'm talking about people who aren't necessarily immigrants. You know, they, their families have been here for years and, you know, they've, they've experienced success and they kind of understand, you know, kind of how the game goes and are able to, to create um, more access for their own through, you know, the privilege and then what whatever 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 stuff else they're able to accomplish and um themselves and 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 the opportunities that they're able to create for the people um their loved ones and the people that are coming up behind them um i just i just want to keep it real um you know i i'm you know i still work in i mean i work in an environment where you know i'm kind of i'm i'm kind of a guarded person just because you know i i know I've seen what happens when people kind of get, I guess, a little too familiar, a little too comfortable and kind of assume that everyone working with them has their best uh, interest. And, you know, I know that that's really not the case. But, you know, if 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 it were to come up in in my you know conversations, you know, about who I am and, and, and even what I believe and what are these things, you know, I'm at a point to where I don't feel like I need to. I don't need to mince words. I don't need to repress something. I don't need to bite my tongue. Now, do I wear my 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 sexual orientation or my politics or my beliefs on my sleeve? No, I don't. But, um, you know, I think there's still a tendency to believe that, hey, in this business, everybody thinks the same. And even if, you know, we don't all look the same, this is the general culture. And I think what I'd like my legacy to be is just, hey, you know, the, the 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 person that you're created to be um, shouldn't have to be, you shouldn't have to diminish any part of yourself for you know professional accomplishment. Um, I think some people will might hear that and think, oh well, you know that that means you can come to work dress any any type of way and you can you know say anything you want and do anything you want. That's not what I'm saying, but I still think that even kind of respecting you know, the rules of corporate America for your sake and maybe for the sake of the people whose lives you're, 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 you're there to impact, um, you can still show them that, hey, you can still be your authentic self and still live in your truth. You can still be excellent, still be excellent at your craft or whatever gifts you have or whatever your particular calling is. You know, you can still be 100% yourself and still you know, be, be a success. I mean, you don't have to compromise. Um, you shouldn't have to diminish yourself in any respect just to, just to get ahead. And I, so, so I hope that, you know, you know, whatever the next 20 years brings for my professional life, um, whether I, you know, stay in this business or get out of it altogether or keep one foot in and one foot out, I would hope that, you know, anybody who's anybody that I mentor, Anybody who, you know, in, in our professional paths, I've, you know, been in, we've crossed paths and I've had an effect on them. I hope they think, you know what, you know, 
rain or shine, whatever, whether things are great or things are bad, you know, you got 100% Brendan. He had his convictions. He had, you know, the things that he believed. Um, he wasn't, he was a rock, but he wasn't also just, you know, stubborn and, and couldn't, you know, you know, be presented with new information and have his views evolve based on, you know, those things. I just, you know, I, I think, um, I think, you know, I bring a, or at least what I, I guess, professional, I think I bring kind of like a quiet strength and, hey, you know, you know, Brendan's always kind of there just doing his thing and getting it done and, you know, finding ways to persevere. But I never thought that he was, you know, fake or I never thought that he, um, you know, pretended that he wasn't who he was or um, found that he had to act differently around certain people to get where he needed to be. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a complex, multifaceted person. And, you know, while I don't necessarily, you know, show all my cards all the time, you know, I want you to feel like, hey, you know, I, I, I knew who Brendan was and what I got was real Brendan. And whether I liked it and whether I didn't, whether I liked it or not, this is who it was. This is this this is what I got, and you know he was always real with it. Um, and I think those those that just that that just that being yourself, you know, whether it's you know loud or or quietly, I think people connect to that. You know, I think we're we're a bunch of souls, and and you know whatever light is in each of us, you know the light that's in other people will connect to that if you're if you're being your authentic self. And so I think that, I hope that's what my, my legacy is. I can't think of a better legacy. And, and frankly, I can't think of more inspiring or encouraging words, uh, not just for, for underrepresented queers, but for, for all those who are um, feeling marginalized or that they cannot bring their full, true, genuine, authentic selves to the spaces that they inhabit. Right. So... Brendan, I, I can't, again, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and for um, blessing, blessing me certainly and, and blessing this audience just with the, the accumulated wisdom and, and also hope because that's something yeah. that we're, um, we really are, are in short supply of. And, Absolutely. And, you know, this is, this is Pride Month. And when I think about, you know, what, what does it mean to be? What did it mean to be proud? What does it mean to be out? Um, you know, something that you said really, really struck me, um, and that's that it means to be authentic in all spaces. And so, uh, thank you for for being that here, and and well, being that every day. Oh well, no, thank you for the opportunity just to kind of share. I mean, you know, I don't, you know, you never know what. Uh, what uh, a person might might hear or might resonate what might resonate with a person that's listening to your story so um thanks to you for the opportunity to kind of share and and also to um i guess this probably would be my first pride month where you know i'm acknowledging it as a part of the community i can't think of um other than you know the typical pride um activities that you know a lot of people engage in this is this is definitely something special, and I'm uh, glad for the opportunity. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Brendan. Thank you, Lizzie. 
Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.